to Return to Oz Minute, where we're analyzing the Disney 1985 film Return to Oz one minute at a time. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And once again, today, back for the second day in a row, we're joined by Rick and Julia Ingram from the Mad Max Minute. <laughs> well, hello there. Hello. Good day and whatnot. We're very happy to be back for a second minute. Oh, thank you so much for coming back because this is another fabulous minute in Mombi's Palace. This is minute 47, which starts with a very understanding Dorothy yelling, it can't be helped, TikTok. And it ends 60 seconds later with Dorothy and Belina locked up in the tower. So I will just say it's not looking too good for the home team. Dorothy's been locked away. Belina's with her, but she's supposed to supposedly going to be fried for breakfast. And TikTok will just be a statue in Mombi's palace from now I on. Love how understanding Dorothy is of her companions' limitations. Right. You know, <laughs> I think that's something that that more people should definitely emulate because you know sometimes you got friends and you know maybe they're claustrophobic and they don't want to go with you to that place that's kind of closed in and you know what it's not their fault they can't help it you know and it's important to be understanding and supportive and say you know what it can't be helped but you know you're still my friend i'm just gonna go hang out in this locked tower room not that i have a choice but you know we'll catch up later (laughs) (laughs) We get one last shot of this mirrored room, and all I can think is what a beast this must have been to film. Mm. Because I've been keeping an eye out, and I haven't caught any, like, cameras being reflected or anything like that. I mean, that's a mirrored door in a room. You know, they're, they're all together. But I don't see, unless I'm seeing when the door opens, it almost looks like there could be two people up on the balcony across the way, but... You know, I I I'm hadn't reaching. thought about that, and I think that's a testament to how well they handled these big mirrored spaces, is that it didn't even occur to me that filming in there would be difficult, because they, they did it so the well. Next, uh, yeah, I mean, I and even the floor is mirrored, we see in an earlier shot. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's pretty impressive. Um, and then we are back in Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> so they go up these stairs. <laughs> The stained glass is a little less elaborate than that film. <laughs> yeah, I really, those windows in the stairwell are beautiful. It's funny, they're so brightly colored, and yet once again, we are in a set that is completely covered in dust, it looks like. I feel like Mombi focuses solely on that main area with all the mirrors, and really just neglects the maintenance of the other parts of the castle. I think that it that it is a symptom of her limited power. She doesn't have the ability to maintain the entire space. So she's consolidated that power to just a couple of rooms. Mm. Oh, that's right. Because the bedroom and headquarters are right off of that Mm -hmm. room. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, just Um, because you have a big house, if you never use a room, like, it'd be really easy to neglect that room. Before we turned (laughs) our front room into a recording space, it was our, you know... (laughs) drop everything storage space it's where we would have thrown dorothy if we were gonna steal her head <laughs> yes <laughs> Which is a really oh big i have to take a picture 
of the room I record in, which is currently a library slash storage space slash where I podcast from. And there is like an old fashioned S chair next to a sofa. (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly where Dorothy would be thrown. If if I were kidnapping Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, that's a fun, if you kidnap Dorothy, where would you throw her? I hope she likes the Red Sox because I have a lot of memorabilia in here. Um, <laughs> uh, but before we get into the room, one last shout out to Belina, who is still flapping away, kind of trying to get free, even though Mombi's got her by the legs. Yeah, I think all it would take uh, for a normal person, not Mombi, all it would take is a good whap in the face with from a wing <laughs> from uh, from Belina, and it would mm-hmm. you know confuse or startle or disorient someone into letting go of her legs. Not Mombi though. Well, she's got nice long no. arms, and so she can keep Belina at, you know, a safe distance. Yes. Belina's got very yeah. limited reach as far as, you know, wing-flapping fisticuffs are concerned. <laughs> she's totally outclassed by Mombi here, and you got to give her props mm. for going up against her like this. She's, you know, very little yep. chance of succeeding. And she's not given up now, no. even though they've lost. She's still fighting every step of the way. <laughs> yeah, Mom- Mombi, uh, from from the minute the fight begins, Mombi is in control. It's imp- And it's impressive. She's hauled them all this way up the stairs. Man, man, it is so weird to see an antagonist doing their own grunt work. Because this is the exact reason <laughs> why you have underlings. This is why you have guards or minions, so that they can go through the trouble of hauling someone away to a dungeon or tower. And... I don't know, it's just, it's strange. And I think, like we mentioned yesterday, it's an example of her, you know, limited influence, and like you said earlier today, her limited power. That know, she has to do her own grunt that work. That she has to yeah. do her own well, imprisoning. I wonder if she used to have, like, maybe she used to use the wheelers more, and then she realized she's better. Because, like, like we said, she is owning this. Like, the chicken's flapping away, and she's like, nope, I do not care. And I wonder if maybe... When she used to have underlings and they would try and take someone up to the tower, you know, they'd let go when the person started kicking their shins or they would, you know, release the chicken when it flapped in their face. And she was like, you know what? You want something done right? You got to do it yourself. She's a boss. Yeah. I imagine when when an underling disappoints her, she turns them to stone or whatever her power is. Does she turn people to stone? I, th- I think the Gnome King turned people okay. to stone, but she was with him. So, you know, she probably could bring him an underling and be like, hey, can you take yeah, that for Yeah, that me? might be why she has almost nobody there with her except a group of wheelers. There's nobody left to disappoint her. Which is why one of the, these next lines, after Dorothy asks, what will you do with TikTok? And Mombi fires back with, people will think I have a new statue. My question is, what people? What people? Does she get visitors? <laughs> Does she entertain a whole lot? Because it doesn't seem that way. Right, if she's a princess, who is she ruling over? Yeah. Are you still a princess if you have no subjects to rule? Ooh. Mm. I need a poli-sci major to answer that one. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think because, like, you could, you, you've had royalty in exile, so technically they were still considered princess and yeah. princesses. Yeah, because, I mean, at least, even at least the royalty in exile, like, they have a people back home, like... If you mm-hmm. think of Game of Thrones as the number one thing I go to when it talks about royalty and exile. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> talk, talk, talk. I love it. Let's go. Targaryen is still a princess of the Targaryen line, queen of the Andals and the First Men type of thing. Like, her subjects are back in yeah. Westeros, even though she's exiled to Essos. You know, Viserys, while he was alive, mm-hmm. was still a prince of Westeros, even though he was living in exile. And I know you could probably say, well, okay. you know, they were deposed by the Baratheons, and so they weren't in power, but, you know, just bl- speaking through bloodlines. They were still, still royalty. royalty. Yeah. Yeah, but... I'm trying to think of, like, what houses have fallen completely. And it's like, well, is the one person left still... Well, they still would be royalty, even though they don't... Well, no, that doesn't work, because they're still people. Sorry, I'm I'm now thinking way too much about... Um, well, you can kind of... <laughs> you can kind of think of it. This, um, this is a bit of an older fact, so I, it's not too much of a spoiler alert. But when Stannis eventually falls... Um, out, you know, after a major battle, he's kind of the last Baratheon brother alive. But you still have Gendry out there, you know, to keep that name alive, even though he is technically illegitimate. He like he needs to be legitimized by someone on the yeah. throne in order to like truly continue the Baratheon line. But at least that blood is still out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Gendry would necessarily it's... take that well, name. Well, oh. I, I mean, he'd take the name. I don't think he'd take the yeah. the title and the the lands and whatnot. Well, and I'll, I'll link it back to, um, I mentioned in an earlier episode, I'm reading Bloodline, which is about Princess Leia after, well after Return of the Jedi, but before Force Awakens, and she's still Princess Leia. Alderaan no longer exists, so she is still a princess, even though she does not rule anyone. She has no mm. subjects. I don't know if that galaxy's rules apply to our own <laughs> Or Oz's galaxy's rules, <laughs> but technically, yeah. she is still recognized as royalty of the royal line, even though the world that they ruled... No yeah, longer. that's definitely something you don't usually see in fantasy literature. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> the title of princess is a rank, just like the rank of general. Mm. So once you're a general, you're always a general, even if you're not on active duty. And you're a retired general, okay. you're still general whatever. People yeah. will still call you yeah. General Smith when they address you in a formal way. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not an acting general, you're not leading anybody. And princess is mm-hmm. a rank just like that. You obtain it in a different way, but it's still your rank. Mm. And, it, and it's always your rank. Okay. And I, don't, I don't remember from the books exactly... Uh, but there, I think Mombi is not part of the royal line. I believe she's just a witch. I could be mistaken on that. She's... I, I would double check it. I believe she is part of the royal line, but she should not have been ruling. Um, in the book, or at least in the graphic novel, and I assume in the book because why would they have changed that, there's a whole royal family involved. There's like 11 kids and the queen of a royal family of Ev. And Princess Mombi's like a cousin. And because the Gnome King has the whole royal family, she has been left in charge of the kingdom. So she was royal, but she would never have been in charge. And there you do see more people and she has servants and stuff like that. Okay. Oh, I was just saying, that's the beauty of the line of succession. You've got 
so many names you can just yeah. go down the list. If you're the Gnome King and you don't like who's in power, you can just keep wiping people off the list until you find someone sympathetic, and then you can just have them be on the throne. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I, I will double-check it, and if I'm wrong, I will let you guys know. But, yeah, she's she's of royalty, but, yeah, she is a witch. <laughs> as, as Mike mentioned, she can be both. She's a multitasker, as we see, um, as she opens the door. How does she open the door? She's got Belina in one hand and Dorothy oh, in the other. Oh, good point. Magic. Does she kind of, like, just... Is she able to, like, kind of elbow it open? The door does swing into the room. Yeah, so she just, she yeah, could just, like, I, hip check it. Oh, my God. I, I was just going to say, does she bump, uh, bump, bump? <laughs> right. No, if that door could be opened by a good hip check, how is the door being kept closed? Ah, magic, of course. Magic. Like, answered my own question halfway through. <laughs> magic. There you go. I like it. And then and then she throws a chicken. That was a good throw. I cannot imagine that a flailing chicken that you're holding by the legs is an easy thing to throw. Oh my god. So we see Felina fly. Oh, right. sort of? I think it's it's referred to as falling with style. I'm not sure there was much yes. style. Sounds involved. about right. My main concern was did they use a stunt chicken for this, or was this just the same chicken throughout? Well there's a I would assume there's a puppet chicken at times, and sometimes yes. a real chicken. Mm-hmm. This is great controversy. <laughs> <laughs> when is the chicken real and when is it not? There are some people who believe that it is always a puppet chicken, and they're what? just that good at puppetry. That's I don't know. Crazy. I am of the opinion that it is sometimes a real chicken and sometimes a puppet, but... It has been posited that through the wonders of stop motion, maybe they were able to do it entirely. I don't know, because there are some Um, other stop motion stuff in this movie that, from my memory, perhaps hasn't aged so well. Well, and the way she's flapping and stuff, and she's sometimes very real chicken Yeah, no, I'm assuming that it's not a real chicken the whole time. That they wouldn't do that. No, it's definitely... No. Um, There's... It is a fantastic puppet, and uh, we've talked a little bit about the guy who actually, you can find pictures of his hand goes through and controls her beak and neck and the front claws, but, like, the body of his of the chicken is his arm. There's, like, a tube <laughs> that it fits through. Um, that's what they use for the close-ups, like, when she's talking and stuff. But there was, there's definitely a puppet chicken because there are some scenes earlier where Feruza Balk is hugging the chicken to her chest, and yeah, there's no way that's a real chicken. <laughs> no way. I know that much. So it's it's a little bit unclear. Yeah, I just I'm not sure. She throws a real Feruza Balk into the room. If yeah. that's any consolation. Yeah, that's a consolation right there. I I I, I don't know. I. I am very distracted. I mean, this is an absolutely gorgeous door. Can we talk about these yes. double doors to this room? And the this window. Great. They are stunning. Mm-hmm. Which tells me... And it's got, like, columns and yeah, arches. Yeah, this room is gorgeous. Sorry, go ahead. Which tells me that in the heyday of this palace slash castle, wherever we are, this wasn't some just tower storage room out of the way. This was part of the main living quarters or public space that... Mombi can no longer yeah. keep up. Like it was a guest bedroom or something? Yeah. 
it sitting looks, room, ladies, or, ladies sitting or this room. Or where the king's council. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks to me, and I'm kind of stealing Julia's thunder here, but this room to me looks like the room <laughs> of requirement, and you almost expect Dorothy to trip over the lost diadem of Rowena Ravenclaw or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bust in the corner. Oh. Yeah, there is... There's a lot in this room. Before we talk about what's in this room, because I am obsessed, we have to give a shout out to the yes. absolutely <laughs> of, of <mommy>. <laughs> <laughs> when she's looking through the scroll work on the door. It's it's so great, and I'm trying to remember, Mike. Maybe you can back me up because it's been a while since I watched it straight through. Is this the last we see of this mombi? Uh more well more or less because she's uh she's put the head away by the next time by the next encounter okay i mean we see the head again but this is the last time she's walking talking yes. about her thing okay yeah this is it's a good it's a good moment to go out on <laughs> thank you and, if and you're actually... going to go out you go out on top <laughs> and actually in the uh in the script in, in the most recent version that we that we have it looks like there was at least one more one more after this uh, after the little snort, she continues and says, Dorothy Gale from Kansas. But it works so much better just without that line. Yeah, I think she probably could have sold that line, but this is such a little, like, punctuation mark on it. It's so haughty and dismissive. You know, it fits the personality of that head yeah. perfectly. <laughs> oh. Okay, now we can talk about the oh, room. Actually, I'm going <laughs> to jump in with one quick bit oh. of research here. Uh, so I've been live... Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been live Googling to figure out this Mombi uh, royal family situation. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, so uh, we're both kind of right. Mombi is not royalty. Um, but because in, in the books, it's Princess Langwider who has the head-changing ability. And Mombi has, is just another witch who becomes the Wicked Witch of the... I think it's North. North. Yeah. So in... Yeah, when they when they made Return to Oz, uh, they took a, two different books and combined. And Mombi was is a, an amalgamation of two different characters. So so the princess okay. is a princess. Mombi was not a princess, but they so they, they they merged the two together. One one person who had who was changing heads, and one person who was the old witch. And they just M- Princess Mombi was born, but there is no Pr- Princess Mombi as herself. I believe did not exist. So this is. Pure Disney princess. That's where I was going. (laughs) Mombi is a Disney princess. Wow. Yes. I don't know if you were aware of that, Julia, when we were growing up watching this on the Disney Channel. We were watching a Disney princess. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think the only truly evil Disney princess that I can think of. Oh, off the top of my head, yeah. But there's a lot of obscure yeah, Disney I, movies. I can't imagine, especially from the '80s. I can't imagine why they never included her in any of the merchandising. Because how amazing would it be to merch, or to sell a doll to girls where you can swap out the heads? Yeah, and <laughs> you would have to buy each head yeah. separately. It's a money maker, yeah. and it could come with little mm-hmm. accessories. Yeah, like, one has the loot. One has, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure different heads like, are to different things. Different colors of hair, and of course, like every yep. year or six months, you come out with a different one, and yes. so then you have people collecting, and you could sell like a little diorama to put the heads in. Yes. They missed a fantastic yes. money-making opportunity. Yeah, if you release one new head <laughs> oh. every six months, that is a solid 15 years of merchandise you can yeah. milk out of this thing. <laughs> wow. And people would go insane trying to collect these things. Like, I'm talking about, like, major markups on eBay. Like, Beanie Baby level oh. for heads. Or doll heads. <laughs> yep. And after after one run, they go into the Disney vault. Yes. <laughs> yep. They're only available. Locked away on their head of stuff yes. forever. Damn. Oh, man. And the dress is so fantastic. We haven't talked about that with you guys, but I'm kind of obsessed with how amazing Mombi's costume is. So that's a good thing. It is. It reminds me of when I was little maybe like a young teenager my mom got into collecting the like special edition seasonal barbies that had like these Mm. big elaborate dresses very stylized and you know styled after famous designers and very like couture Mm -hmm. and that's exactly i only ever saw these in fao shorts but i know what you're talking about (laughs) and that's what this dress makes me think of I really like the detail around her shoulders and neck because the, I don't know, they almost look like like stocks or fibers or wings or something, but that it's vaguely reminiscent of the kind of style that you see on some of the Wastelanders in Mad Max. Yes, some with like the feather shoulders. <laughs> yeah. She'd fit oh, right she in. she'd totally fit right Mombi in. Mombi would fit right in there with Auntie Entity from Thunderdome and yes. her giant chainmail pauldrons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now... One thing that did disappoint me about this minute and last minute is that in the previous few minutes, as Mombi was walking around, we heard the noises that her dress makes. Like those those spikes. Yes, the yeah, those dress spikes is silent. Like, almost tinkle. And mm-hmm. and now they're silent. Like like wind chimes or something like that, knocking up against each other? Uh yeah, maybe kind of wind chimey. That sounds so much more delightful yeah. than the kind of things that we have to listen to in Mad Max. It is delightful. Like it's it's really great. I wonder I'm assuming it's just I'm trying to like help them out by saying, Oh, we're just not hearing it over the noise of <laughs> Belina and the running and everything, but really yeah, they, they just, just didn't, didn't add, add that in. in. And perhaps, you know, thinking in universe we stopped hearing the tinkling when she switched heads. The head that she was in before, the one that was playing That's the true. instrument, was more gentle. And she mm. moved softly. And she just seemed kinder. So the sound effect is more appropriate to mm-hmm. that. To that character than okay. to yeah. this brunette head who is scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm my upstairs. Oh, no. <laughs> of course. This is the perfect time yes. to vacuum. Thank you. Say, you know, when I think neighbor. of the perfect time to vacuum, uh, I immediately yeah. think of quarter past eight in the evening. That just, every time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The, the perils of podcasting. Anyway. Um, sorry. I was being very distracted. <laughs> um, uh, so, if, for those following along at home, at second 25... We get our first shot of where Dorothy will be imprisoned, I assume, for the rest of her life until Mombi cuts off her head. That's what happens in the rest of this Oh, uh, That's what I assume. I, I haven't seen anything past this. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
this this could yeah. be full stop at the end of this the movie. Is, the rest of the movie all takes place in this 47 room. <laughs> minutes is a little short for a feature film, I'll admit. <laughs> Usually expect them to go at least 90. But there's so much in this room that we could just spend the rest of those 90 minutes exploring the objects in around her. Yep. So I think looking at the second, um, we once again, we are right back in this movie's color palette. There are a couple of muted green, because I think that curtain kind of over the window is green, and we just in the right top corner have a little bit of a fern. So we've got a little bit of green, and then we've got that vibrant red on the little settee in the middle of the room. And everything else is brown or gray. And yeah, and the walls are like a... <laughs> beige i want to say you can see a little bit of what could be a gold or brass chandelier popping down from the top of the frame but yeah yeah i wonder if it matches the ones downstairs because we saw those reflected you're right this is very like this feels of a piece with the downstairs room even though it's you know stone instead of mirrors but this would definitely have been maybe like a, a sitting room it's not a public space but it's where you can it's entertain a freaking people. large room that's for sure like, that is oh, a yeah. that is a large square room with a lot of stuff in it a lot of big stuff full of yeah is junk. that a hippo um, like in the pile i think so yeah if you look at second 34 it does look like a hippo oh yeah like, yes. right behind the alligator Yes. Now, is it just the hippo head or is it the entire animal? I want to say it's just the head. Oh, God. But with shoulders, too. You can kind of see. Yeah, there's other pieces of furniture that are obscuring it. Yeah. But you're right. I don't think there's enough room before the the whole animal. Because I noticed. Yeah, and that's a tiny alligator. In the stairwell back in last minute. No, in this minute. In this minute. In the stairwell, there are a couple of animal heads on the wall. Mm-hmm. In the stairwell, I there's totally two, and that. I was kind of hoping for more. I'm, I was looking for a theme of heads, and so there's two animal heads in the stairwell. Yeah, one and then, looks like a caribou, and and then there's just like a pile of animals oh, yeah. in the room. And I'm hoping that they are oh. the heads of animals. Like, um, you know, how they put the, their their prizes up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can kind of see the bottom jaw yeah. of the second head around second 14 in the top left corner of the frame. Yeah. I never Which makes me think before. that this was... That is lunatic. Um, ...a room for a male purpose. Like it was a council room or a war room. Or a man cave. Or just a man cave. <laughs> Because if it was like a ladies' use you know, room, then they probably wouldn't have heads on the wall. Although, Mombi's all about heads. She is all about yeah. heads. Yeah. This could be her idea of a chic yes. decorating scheme. <laughs> that reminds me of another Disney character, namely Gaston, <laughs> who uses antlers no, in all of his all decorating. Of decorating. <laughs> My, what a guy that Gaston. I can't believe i never put that together in all the times that i watched this movie this is blowing my mind um the only thing is a lot of the furniture looks very delicate for it to be yeah very true but everything has been tumbled together so i don't think i almost wonder there is a head on the wall but oh yeah there's there's a 
caribou on the other. Okay, like, given that everything is thrown together so haphazardly, I think this was definitely. Yeah. A, I think the idea of a man cave is totally plausible because there is no man to inhabit this man cave, and so as soon as you take the man out of the man cave, then it becomes a junk room that you can just throw stuff into. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And if you look at second thirty-five. Um, possibly the vanishing cabinet. <laughs> this is the room of requirement next to Dorothy. And, um, people who have seen this movie before will be very excited to see a little round orange something that we're not going to look at Oh, yet. I missed Behind that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can kind of see it peeking out. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was too busy noticing that faded red couch. Is that the couch that we're going to see later? I believe we're going to have two couches, okay. and that is one of them, uh, right, Mike? I don't believe that couch is, is two... part of it. Okay. They're... Oh, right, because it doesn't Yeah, because they're both arms. sort of solid and white-ish. Okay. If my memory serves. I thought one of them was dark. They're di- yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> one, one's like one of those lounging sofas right and the other one is yeah the other one has, has more traditional arms okay but it's too like put together so that it forms a a bet yeah um we'll, we'll we'll get there but yeah you're right sorry that's okay. not one of them which means there are three sofas at least in here in addition to that bust in the corner ready for the diadem a rocking horse i cannot make out what else is in here there's ferns messing well, me up and being one thing in the way. that stood out to me it's first and blurry. foremost as soon as we get the wide shot of the room is the giant leader that's right off to the right side of the frame that kind of box looking thing with the windows like that's yeah a, you know i don't want to i don't feel like walking today so i'm gonna sit in this boxing box and get mm-hmm. carried <laughs> ah I never knew the name of that. Okay. okay. It's very tall and very narrow, and it kind of looks like a Zoltar cabinet. I'll, I'll concede that's, that. Okay, that's what I thought when I saw it. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, oh, that looks like yeah. the, the cabinet from Big. Oh, my gosh. That would be Mombi's plan all along. She locks Dorothy in the room with the Zoltar cabinet, <gasps> and Zoltar's like, hey, I'll grant a wish, and Zor- and Dorothy's like, I want to be big, thinking, oh, I can fight the witch. But then the witch is like, ah, oh, you're big now. I'm going to take your head. Ha ha. I'm crafty. <laughs> Fooled you. That gets around all the problems of being captive for many years and still having healthy skin and a lovely face. Yep. yep. Magic. Oh. She's going <laughs> to skip right over puberty. That's oh. a blessing in and of itself. Yes. <laughs> I can't be the only person who's got scars on my oh, face from those not. years. Come on. <laughs> and, and since Mombi, as we said, does her own dirty work, like, she was probably right. She would literally fry Bolina for, for breakfast. Like she's got to make her own breakfast. Now she's got to make, she's got to bring Dorothy meals. I mean, it's a lot of work for her to have a captive. Yep. It's a 100% increase yes, in I... Mombi's daily work. This is a bad idea. Actually, going back to Game of Thrones, someone was talking about a recent episode and was like, this is a stupid plan, but is it, like, lazy writing? And I was like, no, that character would come up with this stupid plan. Like, sometimes 
characters do things, and it's not actually smart when you stop and think about it. Now, Mombi has a lot of heads. Does she have a head that just really loves to clean? Because some people just love to clean. And so I imagine... And yeah, one that's like she's a got a cooking cup? head and a cleaning head and a <laughs> nefarious plan head, which I'm assuming is the brunette. You have a musical <laughs> head. You know. That would that would make sense. I you know, like she'd leave a, a honeydew list next to the head, so she yes. takes off the old one, puts on yeah. the new one, the new one reads the list and say, Oh, okay, well that needs to be done today. Yeah. Yep. And I like that if she's like essentially vain, that's why only three rooms are really clean. <laughs> Because she just can't, st- you know, she knows she has to put on the cleaning head to maintain her, you know, standard of living, but she just hates it. She just wants to get back to being beautiful and a princess, so she only ever has enough time to work on That's why the room full of mirrors rooms. is always spotless, because at least she can look at something while she's cleaning. <laughs> and it dovetails yeah. back into the toy collection, because the different heads would come with a, you know, a different themed item. Mm-hmm. For the, the cleaning head, or the you know, the the lute pl- or mandolin playing head, yep. yeah, the a planning chef's head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like a real, oh. you know, Barbie alternative. Yeah, it'd be like all the Barbies in one. Yeah, like you don't need to buy, yep. you know, yep. um, surf shop Barbie and IT specialist Barbie and you know, mountain climber Barbie, and you'd have, like, a million of all the same doll. No, you just have, like, okay, well, this is Mombi's, you know, scientist head, and this is her, you know, big game hunter's head, you know. You You just make that core doll nice and expensive. Uh, Right. (laughs) Right, because you only need to buy one. And the head's... And the heads all already come with the collars. Like, that's already built into the Mombi costume in the movie. So you wouldn't even have to say, oh, well, now we, how do we change the heads? Like, we'd have to add some piece, and that won't... No, it's already in the character. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. I hope Disney cuts a sentence. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I gotta stop doing that. I notice that's a vocal tick of mine whenever we have downtime. I'm just like marveling at our film. Oh, I thought you were talking about pitching ideas to Disney. Every once in a while. (laughs) No, I'm all for that. I am very enthusiastic about that. I am fine with that. Um, I am also fine with this. We once again have the intricate scroll work this time. Oh, this window. window. I love a weird window. What I love about it is that it's a large square window space, but the way it's framed by the drapery and the fact that a lot of the scroll work does form a circle, it gives a different visual effect Mm -hmm. to the window itself. Wait, the window's not round? No, it's... um, I thought the window was round. It's got square sills. No, you're right. It's square. I always thought it was... Or at most it's rounded on the top like the door was. But yeah, it goes, it, yeah. it's square it's at the bottom, bottom corners, at least. It's square. It looks like it does kind of swoop up at the top. But yeah, when you look at it from a distance, you imagine it's just one giant round window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad Belina is That's still a... with her. Belina, Belina is safe no for the time, time being. Across that room. She's there like a flash. Oh, no. She... Listen, Belina has been threatened a lot in this movie, and she's not wasting any time. She got a head start. 
Mommy gave her some. Right. <laughs> yeah, she was thrown. Yeah, momentum. momentum. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is the most puppety puppet that ever puppeted. <laughs> Actually, it's Morris' stuffed animal in this. He's <laughs> just hanging out there as Dorothy goes and looks out the window. More excellent little kidness from Feruza Balk. The way she, like, hangs on to the ironwork as she peers out. And then... Sweeping Vista! So it's... She's being locked away so that one day she can be killed, but she's got a great view from this room. Yeah. Yeah, she might as well enjoy her time with a lovely view. (laughs) No, and that is... Dorothy identifies the mountain in the distance as the Gnome King's Mountain... Because this is a movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's also the only mountain we see, but like, really, that she could be wrong. She's making a leap there. Yeah, she can't see out the other side of the castle. Like, there could be another mountain over there. Typical Americans just assuming they know everything. (laughs) (laughs) And being from Kansas. Yeah, it's probably the only mountain she's seen. Like right. maybe it, maybe the Gnome King's Mountain is even grander, ten times the size. <laughs> this hill is huge. <laughs> That's I used to love. I worked at a summer camp in Connecticut, and we were on Mohawk Mountain. And then you'd get people who had like traveled in Germany and across Europe, like just looking at like, right? This is not a mountain. Yes, this is a large hill. <laughs> Takes you 20 minutes to reach the top of it. This is right. not a mountain. You don't need oxygen to get up the mountain. It's not a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> if you've hiked up it in flip-flops. Not that I did that. Can't, can't get in trouble now. Um, <laughs> I mean, what? I would never have done that. I always followed the rules. Um, I mean, this this does look very cool. I, looked at it, I like that it kind of looks like yeah. it's split yes. in the middle. Somehow, some way... That's an interesting effect for a mountain. And then, uh, yeah, and then, uh, Rick, you get your one glimpse of outside this palace. Yeah, it's quite desolate looking. And from what I read about this story, Oz has gone through a pretty traumatic change from when Dorothy was the first there. Could you kind of say that it has a bit of a post-apocalyptic feel to it? (laughs) I mean, I, I, I feel could. like there's a thematic kinship between the Mad Max series where you get a lot of scary people on motorcycles and you get Return to Oz where you've got a lot of scary looking people that are part motorcycle, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> it's, it's one thing it, it definitely is. It's, it's more green. That's for dang sure. There seems yeah. to be quite a bit of forest there. We've got... Yeah, we've got a lovely forest between these two wastelands. Yeah, it is it is kind of comforting to look out over a vista and see the landscape covered by a nice thick covering of trees. That's definitely what I'm used to looking at, you know, in the area where we are. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just thinking, I haven't seen a trailer for Mad Max in quite a long time, but I'm, you know, the most recent... Fury Road, and I was just like, I want to recut the trailer using that template, but with Return to Oz. <laughs> Mike and I are all about recutting trailers here. I think we need to add that, that to our excellent. list. <laughs> Dorothy Gale beat up for it. Definitely. 
Yeah, give her a couple of years. She'd, she'd be motorcycling all over Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> well, motor, horse-drawn carriaging. Maybe she invents the motorcycle in this timeline. Okay, we've got... Yeah, like I said, uh, Exposition Dorothy is in fine form as the minute ends. Can anyone make out what Belina is saying? Because it's kind Yeah, I didn't catch it. At the end here. Okay, maybe we'll have to listen. Quick question. What, what year does this story mm-hmm. take place in the Kansas timeline? It's October of 1899. Okay, because interesting factoid, um, the motorcycle was technically invented by Gottlieb Daimler and Wilhelm Maybach in Bad Cannstatt, Germany in 1885. So there is a chance that Dorothy could have seen a motorcycle and be clever enough to recreate that in Oz. Mike, Mike, Mike. The Von Brauns brought the motorcycle from <laughs> Germany. And then when they were traveling Stopped in to Cottonwood Hill Falls. Valley, yeah. crossing Kansas in 89, <laughs> stopped in Cottonwood Falls. That's how she knows about it. It all ties together. Oh, jeez. Yes. I'm so glad I could bring that theory back. That's definitely one theory I thought would not get a revival but now it actually you were pretty surprised the first time there's 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 some legs there not not huge legs but tiktok like legs (laughs) (laughs) so slow princess mommy could hold me by these legs quite easily I now feel determined to get someone from Back to the Future Minute on here and be like, excuse me, can we talk? I say, we just actually connected up with Scott Corelli from the Back to the Future Minute for one of our recent recordings. He's pretty easy to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's involved in about 7 yeah. billion yeah. podcasts He's got right his hand now, in several pies. Like, uh, yes, I mean... Hey, good. I'm kind of, I'm happy to be part of a crazy empire. I feel like we're using our power across the galaxy for good to enjoy movies <laughs> rather than for evil. <laughs> uh, before we talk about the beauty that is Movies by Minutes podcast, and yes, I am going to plug Beauty and the Beastly <laughs> Minute because I feel like it is relevant after these minutes. Uh, anything else about these minutes about return to oz well i'm definitely going to run out and watch the entirety of this movie now that we've talked about it because i definitely i need i need some context Mm -hmm. here i i this little experiment of mine (laughs) yielded a rather interesting result but now i need to actually go out and commit to this thing (laughs) yeah i I think we're gonna need to buy it because the copy that is on youtube is unwatchable oh there's so many copies i yeah i think we can find a good working one okay just just as a nugget for you watching it Uh, now from the beginning uh just to ponder tiktok is uh played by an acrobat who is upside down and backwards so he's walking on his hands in tiktok's legs what what just to have that nugget for (laughs) (laughs) okay okay wow all right I might be a little more lenient on him now. 
Mike Snowden or Sundin, I forget exactly what his last name is. Yep. Um, and uh, he's also related yes, to Admiral I Akbar. saw that. I was about to mention it. Now, there are three people on the IMDb page that are labeled as TikTok. One of them, the voice actor. I'm not. How do mm-hmm. two people play TikTok? Is it they do? Do they switch off, or does it take two people to work this suit? My my understanding, and obviously, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Mike is the one. <laughs> that other Mike is the one upside down in the suit, making TikTok walk and move. Uh, the voice is the voice, and then. Tim Rose, not Pete Rose, is um, A, helped create it. And I'm wondering if when we have, he's not moving, but he is, his head is moving, his mustache is talking, uh, his eyes more are of blinking. The pup- puppetry. I think okay. that's Tim Rose. Yes. When he's a puppet, not a man in a costume. Okay. I think it's Tim Rose. But, but Snowden is the only one that's upside down. The, yeah, the I think gymnast. that's. I think that's correct because that's the same as like Akbar. He's he's working the he's working TikTok's functions, yeah. but he's he doesn't he doesn't walk around yeah. in the suit. Yeah, we've had to kind of fill in like what yes. makes the most sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I always have these qualifiers of like I'm not Walter Murch. I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but given context clues, yeah. this is what we've come up with. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, Julia, is there any, if, if, uh, you guys hadn't been so wonderful and agreed to fill in for these two minutes, is there anything you wish you had gotten to talk about in this movie? Anything that you feel like you're, you, any other minutes that you're like, oh man, that would have been great to cover. I think it would have been interesting to talk about way back in the beginning when Dorothy was about to receive the electric shock therapy. I think that would have been interesting to talk about. A lot of, like, history, very, like, sketchy medical practice and how we treat the uh, mentally ill. Lots of lots of things we can learn about from that minute. Oh, you would have been welcome <laughs> to take my place. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I listened to a podcast oh, called yeah. Sawbones, which is done by... A comedian podcaster and his wife is a doctor. They do medical history. And it's funny because they mentioned recently, I had said, the whole time we were doing that, I'm like, this is BS. Like, electric shock therapy didn't even exist until the 30s, and here's when it was invented in another country, and blah, 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 and this could never have happened. And she mentioned in passing, oh, yeah, all the weird electrical experiments going on in the late 1800s. And I was like, oh, no. I must have missed something, but I was so freaked out that I, like, couldn't delve that. You know what I mean? Like, I just could not bring myself to research oh, yeah. it that we, We've had stuff like that, that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, like, hit that point where it's like, okay, I can talk about electric shock therapy because this is, you know, kind of like immersion therapy. Like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Carrie Fisher said it can be a good thing. I'm going to be all right talking about this. And apparently there were all sorts of experiments going on that I claimed didn't exist. And that was like very willful <laughs> denial on my part, I now realize. Because of course, as soon as electricity was invented, these idiots were yeah. putting it in people. Yeah, they, yeah. You can tell my opinion from that. jumped to that conclusion really quick. 
Like, oh, this phenomenal force that we can use for so much good. Let's put it in people and see what happens. I, I, you know, I, I have said in the past 72, oh God, it's even more. I'm not doing the math anymore. For many days now, I've just every so often in a quiet moment gone, wow, yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it's always been now, true. <laughs> have we determined that um, Return to Oz is not a Jacob's Ladder scenario? where Dorothy's adventure returning to Oz is just like oh, a final electric synapse firing in her mind as she's getting electrocuted. So so in the same way that you could claim the Wizard of Oz is someone's dream while they have a concussion, you could say, well, this is obviously a dream while that's happening. Um, I have not seen Jacob's Ladder. I will <laughs> never see Jacob's Ladder because it has been described to me as... And again, in the context of, oh, you're afraid of this stuff? Well, you should never watch this movie. Um, I don't know nope. if you've seen it, Mike, but that, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing that one minute by minute. Uh, I, I will entertain the notion of maybe doing Wizard of Oz as a prequel and analyzing it as a prequel someday. That I think could be very interesting, but I, no, no, no. Jacob's Ladder is not a thing. I mean, I know it is, but no. <laughs> We, uh, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna get my moment when we go back. I'll talk about it some more, but for now, we just assume they live out the rest of their right. short lives in this room, right? Yeah, this is it, folks. Uh, on that optimistic way to end the week, <laughs> right? Because this will be, yep, this will be a Friday, so have a great weekend, everyone. And if you just happen to be in the Chicago area, you can check out um yeah we're calling it movies by minutes chicago at what's the name of the theater the greenhouse theater yeah yep. at noon tomorrow yep noon to six and you can go up to the oh. window and buy your tickets for the the day that'd be fun the let's see they're going to yeah. do a big live show in the evening, right? That's yeah, it's yes. uh, $20 all special. day. You get all the panels and the closing show. If you only want to do the closing show, it's from 4 to 6. It costs $10 to get in there. All ages. I'm sure a lot of us are going to try and uh, keep it family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> we try. Some movies yeah. lend themselves more than others, to be fair. I, I love it. I'm having a really hard time uh, when this comes out. It won't be out yet, but Die yep. Hard Minute will be about to rev up. And Mike and I are preparing a couple weeks worth of minutes for that. And it's really hard because that is a family-friendly podcast. And we have a very <laughs> oh, unfamily-friendly no. minute. <laughs> and I keep having to, like, bite my tongue because I know so many good, like, jokes and puns off Can't of it. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm glad you brought up the Die Hard Minute podcast because we're involved in that project too. And I think the new episodes start in yep. the first week of September, which is actually when our second season of Mad Max Minute starts up right on Labor Day, starting minute one of Road Warrior. And I Ooh. think that's also when minute one of Die Hard Minute comes along. But yeah, we have 
a fun week. Okay. Our first week of hosting, we get to talk a bit about Japanese internment camps. And then the uh, the second week that we were dealt is <laughs> later in the movie. We get to talk about the traumatic experience of a police officer accidentally shooting a child. So we get a ton of really light and super easy to handle subjects. Yes. In oh, our yes. <laughs> a lot of fun there. It was a random drawing. I mean, at least you know Jim O'Kane is not to get you or anything. <laughs> fun for the whole family. No, Chicago sounds like oh, it would I'm be an so absolute blast, though. I am, I am so disappointed. I actually had even taken the time off work. Um, I hadn't booked anything, thank goodness. Uh, but I had the time in and I was like this is gonna be great I had a whole plan I was gonna go to a Cubs game that Tuesday I was I was ready this was gonna happen and then I found out I was pregnant I was just like oh I mean don't get me wrong I'm excited (laughs) obviously it's a slightly different priority but it was just like I can't really afford to do we'll be there right now and never mind the fact that I'd probably be sick half the time and not like be able to do anything but Yes, I will be living by We're doing that thing where we are flying out of Boston at 6 a.m. that morning. We're going to arrive in Chicago, hopefully be able to check into our hotel, spend all day and night in Chicago, and then fly home Sunday in the afternoon. So we'll be there a very short time, but we'll be there the entire time for the actual event. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Intense podcasting there. I like it. Oh, boy. So, um... If you guys are in the Chicago area listening to this, go to that. Meet Rick and Julia. Uh, make me jealous. Post about it online. I'm, I will be following. And then if you can't make it, come join me in the interwebs. I know our show has a website, returntoozminute.com or weogtfpr.com. I know. Um, and you guys have a website as so- well. Basically, where can they find you? Other than if people those, are interested uh, in checking in, in on Mad Max Minute, they can check out our homepage, which is madmaxminute.com. It's got our entire backlog of season one episodes where we talk about Mad Max 1979. It's got our hiatus episodes on there. They can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. They can also find us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at our uh, serious page, Mad Max Minute, or our more conversational page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, which is our listener society. And then, you know, they can find us on Instagram, but we don't really do much on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we will now that I know we have one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I now feel the pressure to, like, find something yep. that can go up on the Instagram. Um because apparently we have one too. Mike, where else can they find us? I know I plugged the website. So we're Oz Minute on Twitter and Facebook and Facebook groups. Though that, that group is also called the Return to Oz Minute Listeners Flying Sofa. Sofa's getting, it's getting Not very close. Sofa. <laughs> Not the sofa we saw, another but sofa. another sofa. Pair of sofas even. Uh, we're Oz Minute on Instagram. As of... As of the recording, there is nothing Apparently. there, but maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's chock full of wonderful things. You I've, never know. Our favorite lunchboxes, you know, the works. Um, yeah, and we are Tiag Piag, of course, because that's how we end every episode. <laughs>
Yep. Well, hang on. Before we do that, I just realized I should give a shout out to the website moviesbyminutes.com, which is where uh, it's I think Pete so. from Star Wars Minute, right? Keeps track of all the Movies by Minute podcasts that are completed or currently releasing. So Mad Max Minute is there. Return to Oz Minute is there. Neverending Minute, which I do about the Neverending Story, is there. And yeah, there so are, are like there are over many 50 dozen other <laughs> at this point, and I think we might even be above sixty at this point. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're we're at convention level. I mean, come on. So I I always and I love to tell people, hey, if you somehow stumbled across us and have never heard of Star Wars Minute. Go check that out because it is such a gateway drug. It is so well done. Pete and Alex do a great job over there. I I still have a huge backlog I need to listen to. I actually only started listening live with Attack of the Clones. <laughs> great intro to Star Wars Minute, by the way. Um, so I just wanted to make sure before we closed out that we mentioned like, oh yeah, the thing in Chicago. It's because of all of this. <laughs> As you all were saying. Right. We are... Tiag. Tiag. Tiag.